Pod Pals, and welcome to the very final season of Best Girl Grip. I am your host, Nicole Davis, and this is the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. This week's guest is Vahana Bueller, the head of creative at Film 4, where she has overseen production on a mix of projects from debut to established filmmakers. Those projects include How to Have Sex by Molly Manning Walker, Layla by Amru Alkadi, and All of Us Strangers by Andrew Hay, starring Paul Meskel and Andrew Scott. Vahana joined Film 4 in 2022 from the BFI where she was a senior development and production executive and worked on Scrapper by Charlotte Regan, Pretty Red Dress by Dion Edwards, Reggie Yates's Pirates, Amal Amin's Boxing Day, Debbie Tucker Green's Ear for Eye, Ben Sharrock's Limbo and Aleem Khan's After Love. Prior to the BFI, she was head of development of Wild Gaze Films, known for Brooklyn and an education, and a development executive at Endor Productions. She's also produced shorts and a micro-budget feature. We talk about how she discovered development was a thing and why she felt suited to it, her roles at Wild Gaze Films and the BFI Film Fund, the differences between working for a public funding body and a public service broadcaster, what she thinks makes a good debut feature and how she creates a good working relationship with filmmakers, the impetus behind the recent Future Takes scheme and the book she thinks is a must read if you want to work in development. This is episode 134 of Best Girl Grip. by getting a sense of how you first encountered the film industry or what gave you the idea to want to work in it you know was it a person or an experience or a film itself so I was studying languages when I was at university and didn't really expect to have a career in film but whilst I was at uni I started a film festival as one of five people who started a film festival which at the time was called Cam Era which is not a very cool name a very geeky name but it was a very very you know low budget student film festival it has since grown it's now called Water Sprite in Cambridge and it was that experience where I got to meet loads of incredible student filmmakers and just being exposed to the actual making of films that made me realize that people can have careers in films. Having said that, once I graduated from university, I still didn't see myself as a filmmaker or working in film. And I got a very corporate job at Google, a graduate job selling advertising. And I did a year of that and realized that there was something missing. And I think I was probably still holding on to some of the experiences that I'd had running the Student Film Festival and that's when I decided to actually take a leap. So I I got a copy of Sight and Sound magazine and I looked through all the films that were coming out that month made in the UK and I wrote to all the producers of those films and nobody replied to me other than one producer um, and he offered me an assistant job and that was the sort of start of my career in the film industry. You know, that's the kind of thing that might be interpreted as good luck, but you had to have known enough to buy that copy of Sight and Sound in the first place, or to have taken the initiative to write to producers thinking that they could provide, um, you know, a foot in the door. Where do you think that piece of knowledge came from? 
Oh, okay. So actually, I've never put this together, but I also, one summer whilst I was working, I worked for um, like a, a headhunting company and working at that company, you learn how to like uh, look through lists of companies or lists of information and how you sort of contact people. And I think it sounds so obvious, but just maybe being in the practice of doing that, I was able to look through the list of productions or production companies at the time and just not be afraid of reaching out to all those producers. And what were you doing in that assistant production role? And was it through that that you began to learn about development? So the job was actually very specifically on one production. It was a film called Jadu by Amit Gupta that Richard Holmes was producing. So Richard Holmes was the producer who gave me that job. And he was looking for an assistant. And so it was very specific to that production. And they were shooting in Leicester. And I uprooted from London to Leicester for a couple of months and really just was thrown in at the deep end and got to see all aspects of the production. But it was very much physical production and working alongside the producer and being an assistant. It wasn't really development. Um, I did get to see the process of the edit and, you know, all of post-production and was very fortunate to be next to the producer during that entire process. But it was less a creative role. It was very much supporting and getting to see how others do it. So how did you learn that existed? You know, that there was a pre-production pre side of things and that you might be suited to it? I think it was just being in production, realising that actually there's a whole side to it that happens before. And I knew that I didn't have it. I didn't have development experience. And it was only when I started speaking to other production companies and realising that there are development assistant roles and realising that there's a whole piece of work that goes into finding ideas, generating material and putting things together. Once I realised that existed, I was like, OK, well, I need to try my hand at that at some point. What do you think it was about your creative instincts or your personality that made you a good fit for, you know, that idea of bringing people and putting things together? You know what, it actually wasn't something that necessarily appealed to me. I just realised it was a necessary part of the process that I didn't have experience in. So at the time when I was working in production, production was the be all and end all because that was all I'd been exposed to. But once I understood that there's a whole craft to development. That's when I realised that was something I needed to get experience in. So it wasn't necessarily something that I gravitated towards. It was just sub, uh, a gap that I realised I had. And so realised I needed to go in-house and work at a production company and get that experience if I was going to be producing my own work. I needed to be able to get that experience. So really it was identifying that I was missing something. From stalking your LinkedIn, it seems like you graduated fairly quickly from, um, you know, to a position of development executive. I'm wondering if you have a perspective on how you made a good, a good impression and proved yourself capable of that progression. You know, my job, my job as a development assistant was reading a lot, but I think that applies even when you're a development exec. That even applies now in my current role. You know, there's a lot of the same skills that I'm using is is actually just really 
really enjoying the act of reading and seeking out material, going to theatre, going to experience culture in all forms. And I think I've always loved doing that. So that felt very natural to me. I've always also been a very big reader of books. And so whilst I was a development assistant, I was always reading material. I remember getting the culture supplements of the newspapers at the time and just every week going through all the books that were coming out and highlighting what I thought could make good television. I was working at a television production company at the time and translated some of those uh, scouring of culture supplements into actual meetings with authors and then from there, you know, optioning stuff. And so it was just that experience and enjoyment of going through lists of books or lists of articles, going through all that information and then identifying what could work for screen that then led to meetings and just doing a lot of that and constantly being proactive in that way then just allowed me to to move up. Given that reading is a pastime that lots of people do, do you do anything to prepare yourself to read actively or critically with adaptation in mind? I think there's obviously you know we get sent a lot of stuff now so even there are things that I would be reading for pleasure that I'm also reading uh, because it because it's uh, a submission but in a way I sort of see that as a huge privilege you know being able to read things that I'm already excited about for work so I don't think I approach it differently if I'm enjoying it and can see it and visualize it and get excited about it then then it's something that I'll pursue. Before we get to your job at Film 4, I know that you held a position as head of development at Wild Gaze Films. I'm wondering when you're brought in to lead or grow a slate, how you go about doing that within the parameters or to the brief that you're given by the company. When I joined Wild Gaze, it was off the back of Brooklyn. They, you know, they just made a huge hit with that film, but it was also very clear what their the kinds of material that they were interested in and they have great taste which is also why I really wanted to work for Amanda and Fanola and I learned a lot from them they always encouraging me to get to know certain authors or to read material that I hadn't come across and their taste was very inspiring to learn from they also have a very clear brief of the kinds of material that work for them so I think there was a lot less kind of speculative, you know, going after things that might work for other production companies. It was very clear what they were interested in and I knew to go for those things. I would say that that was one of the the, the big differences for me was that I actually you know, love working on debuts and love working with emerging filmmakers, but some of those early career relationships don't necessarily make sense when you're working at a production company because you know they're people who not quite proven themselves yet so i think that was a big difference for me in terms of what i still needed to get out of my career and at wild gaze you know you're going after things that are a bit more proven is that what prompted your transition to the bfi you know this idea that you could be in greater dialogue and collaboration with emerging filmmakers I think I think I, I've always been interested in people who've made really good shorts and always been always been excited by 
people making their debut films and as is everyone everyone loves discovering a new debut filmmaker you know that there's always so much excitement around discovery and I think when you're working at a production company it doesn't really make business sense to make debuts because there's not really that much money for producers in debuts you're, you're really doing it for the relationship and when your producers who are much more established I think there's less there's less of a business case to do so so I think one of the reasons I did want to join the BFI was just to be able to work with the filmmakers who I was getting to know who are much earlier on in their career you know I was already having um, really great meetings with people like Charlotte Regan but wasn't necessarily able to work with them yet because they weren't at that point in their career and so moving over to the BFI meant that I could work with and champion filmmakers who I really believed in who had such an exciting voice but were perhaps not necessarily at, at a point where they could uh, work outside of the uh, public sector. Is there something that stands out as being a key learning curve from your experience at the BFI? I loved working at the BFI and I got a lot out of it and I think it's it was a privilege to work there because you get to take risks on uh, filmmakers and you also get to work with people who you believe in but who are not necessarily proven and so the market might not be able to um, fund those films but at the BFI you absolutely should be supporting those uh, films and filmmakers. It, it kind of really set the foundation for me in terms of what makes a good debut and actually how important somebody's voice and authentic self is to bring to the project and how that shapes a debut almost as much as a story and how that is that is something to look out for in all in all your relationships almost and so i think that was a really amazing experience and I think also realizing that sometimes there are people who have a really interesting voice and might need help you know bringing it out I, I think the thing with the BFI is that it's an amazing amazing place to learn from very experienced execs when I was at the BFI I was very fortunate to learn from Lizzie, Natasha, Fiona, people with enormous um, experience and who've worked on so many different films and so what I got there was just the range of experiences. I think the difference for me was that the BFI is a very, when you work at the BFI you're responding to applications as they come in which you have to be because it's national lottery funding so as a as an exec you're much less proactive you're not going after material you're not seeking out stuff you're not you know finding new material finding new ip matching it up with filmmakers or writers that you think would be able to translate it to screen in a really interesting way and i think that was what was always missing for me at the bfi was having to respond to really great material as it came in rather than actually being able to go out and generate that myself. I'd love to know what you think makes a good debut feature. Is there anything that they all have in common? I mean look I'm not saying that I would get it right all the time but I think what I learned from being across so many different films from Limbo to Pretty Red Dress and Scrapper was just in all of those films 
there's a real, a very clear sensibility and a really clear voice and somebody who has a very unique way of looking at the world. And very often, the, those are the elements that carry through throughout the whole development and post-production process. And the story might shift, which it always does, but that voice is what carries through throughout the whole journey. Thinking about your role at Film 4, you know, an institution with a pretty robust legacy, I'm wondering how you go about balancing, you know, the ideas that you have or the relationships that you're bringing to the role and, and a desire to kind of implement those, you know, within Film 4's infrastructure with learning the ropes or inheriting projects that are already on the slate. I, I loved joining Film 4 because I think it, you know, it, what it married was my love for working with new filmmakers, identifying new talent, whilst at the same time being able to be a lot more proactive in terms of going after material and also being able to grow with those filmmakers and having an ambition in terms of what those next steps are. So it felt like a really good next step. And, and you know, from the first month there, it, it was such a great team to join. I think Culturally, because I had been working with Film 4 when I was at the BFI, I knew what I was going into. And whilst there are differences between BFI and Film 4, there's also a lot of similarity in terms of looking for those distinctive new voices or looking for people who have a really interesting view of the world and can carry an audience through their perspective. And so there, there was a lot of overlap. I think the key difference is that for Film 4, we go beyond that debut and actually what we're looking for is how we help those filmmakers who, who we've invested in at debut level to be able to grow and make second and third features that you know are more ambitious either in scale or in approach and I think that was the next step for me personally but it's not it didn't feel like a huge cultural difference it was more how we can continue to use and build upon what I had already learned at the BFI. Do you think it's a harder jump for filmmakers to make from debut to sophomore feature than from short film to debut feature or are they equally challenging in different ways? I think they both offer their own challenges. I think going from short to feature film, if you've made a really brilliant short, then it's easier to unlock finance for your debut feature. In the same way, if you've made a really brilliant debut, it's easier to unlock finance and also access to cars and lots of other um, elements for your second feature. So I think they each present their own challenges but all of them rest on the quality of the previous work as well as what the script is I think if you've made a really great debut feature then you know what ends up happening is you get sent lots of material and often the the, the task is to pick the right project whereas when you're going from short to debut very often it's making sure you're crafting something that really works as a debut but also is the best expression of yourself and your style and your voice. So I think they each have their own challenges and I, I wouldn't necessarily say one is easier than the other, but I think they both rely on having a really good body of work and a very clear uh, and persuasive vision that is going to bring on financiers and other partners. 
And what about inhabiting the leadership position that you're in now? How are you working to empower your team or keep pushing boundaries with the work you facilitate and support? I mean, the good thing is before becoming head of creative, I was at Film4 for, um, for just over a year as a senior commissioner. So, you know, I was already getting a feel for the slate, understanding what the priority projects are, what were the things we were really pushing for the next year, um, what perhaps we were missing, what were the material that we needed to find, who were the filmmakers that we had relationships with, for whom we needed to find new material. I think that year was almost a really good training ground to prepare me to take on the head of creative role. I think the other thing is that we have such a great team Max, Amy, Alice are brilliant development execs, and then also David and Ben, our senior commissioner and head of development, who are, who have also been at Film Four now, who were there before me. So I think there's a team there that really knows what they're doing, and a lot of us all share the same values of working and working together with and discovering new voices, and then helping those filmmakers to grow and succeed. So I think we all kind of coalesce around that vision. And because we all share those values, it kind of makes it a lot easier because we're all doing the same thing. I think the biggest jump for me was moving from looking after my projects as a commissioner and being a lot more, I would say, like selfishly focused on my own projects to having to think much more holistically about the slate and thinking more about the bigger picture. And I think that that has been the growth for me is moving away from just thinking about my little slate of stuff and actually how that feeds into a much bigger picture. When you were promoted to head of creative, Ollie Madden described you as artist friendly and forward thinking. What does it mean to you to be artist friendly? Well, I think that's a very generous comment from Ollie. <laughs> I would say that what I see the role of um, commissioners and, and execs is to support filmmakers to express themselves in a way that feels true to them and also will allow them to speak to as wide an audience as possible whilst holding on to their unique sensibility and way of perceiving the world. I've always tried to create an environment where filmmakers feel seen and understand and understand that I understand the, the, the type of story that they want to tell. And I think my job is to always make sure that we're working off the same basis that I understand what it is that they're trying to do and then helping them to realize that. And if I don't quite understand what it is they're trying to do, then I think there's a, there's a problem. How do you go about facilitating good relationships with filmmakers and, you know, figuring them out as much as the film that they want to make? As always, previous work speaks a lot and I, I, I really do do my homework before meeting filmmakers and watch as much of their previous work as I can. I get to know them, you know, get to know what are the things that they like, other culture that they're consuming, really like to understand the sorts of things that they feel inspired by, spend as much time as possible interrogating ideas, digging around, getting to know what makes them tick. And then 
thinking about the type of work that Film 4 makes, you know, which has always been a braid of established and beloved directors with distinctive and emerging voices, what does retaining that balance look like? You know, do you have a set number or a limit that you have to stick to or is it just kind of more organic and, you know, ever evolving than that? The first thing to say is that we are in a very privileged position and that we're, as a financier, we're able to take risk on emerging filmmakers. And so whilst we, we do that alongside working with more established filmmakers, so both are equally important to us. And we see that as, uh, as, as both parts of our, both parts of the spectrum feeding each other. I think fight, discovering talent is, is as important as having relationships that uh, build over, over a, a long period. The debuts are really important to us. We, we spend a long time, you know, looking for new talent and supporting them through that development process. We make sure that we are supporting a few a year at debut level. And then we're always looking at how we can continue that relationship. I also want to talk about Future Takes, which was the high-budget short scheme run in partnership with Film4 and the BFI. What was the impetus behind setting that opportunity up? So firstly, for me, one of the reasons I wanted to do Future Takes was I could see that there was a lot of amazing talent in other mediums, be it theatre, music videos, commercials, television, all of whom had enormous talent and wanted to make feature films, yet they were used to directing at scale. And so they weren't necessarily going to be um, jumping at an opportunity to do a 20K short, because really that wasn't going to give them the best opportunity to make a short that they that, that would express themselves and, and also represent the kind of films that they want to make. And so what I really wanted to do was create an opportunity where filmmakers from all disciplines would be able to make something that could work as a realistic stepping stone towards making a first feature. And I really wanted to be able to attract people who were working in other mediums and were seeking an opportunity to do film, but didn't quite have that that foot in the door to know how to do so. I also had seen a lot of shorts that had been made at a much lower budget level that showed some skill or some flair, but really was nowhere near enough to give a potential financier confidence that this person was ready to step onto a feature. And so there were all these people who felt like they were stuck somehow, people who were talented, who had made something but still not enough to make a feature film and that's where the idea of a future takes really came in was just how do we allow people the opportunity to create something that will then unlock future film funding the reality is that there's not that many um slots available you know it's just a limited pot of money so there's only a handful of people we can support this year, but you know I'm really excited about having launched it. It has opened the Film 4 team and the BFI team's eyes to some amazing talent that is out there. So you know I'm really hopeful that we make a real success of it this year and that it can come back. The other thing to mention, the other reason I really wanted to launch Future Takes as well is that this was the first open access 
initiative that we had launched as Film 4, obviously the BFI, all of their projects are by application and all their decision making is done by that application assessment. Uh, this was the first time that we had done any sort of assessment in that way and it was really important to me that it was something that was accessible to anyone and what we really wanted to do was discover people who were not on our radar and that was a key driving force for me was opening out opening out the, the pool of talent that we work with and also introducing all the commissioners in the team introducing all of us to new talent who we may not have been familiar with before so that was a big driving force for me and that's exactly what it did you know by receiving a huge number of applications by looking at them really carefully by assessing them we got to we got to know a lot of people who were really excited by some of whom we're not able to fund through this scheme but definitely we've got to know their work and we've got to watch their previous work or we've got a sense of their voice and we're definitely going to pursue those relationships. What keeps you creatively energised and, and, and wanting to discover the next generation of filmmaking talent? It's, to be honest, the same as it has always been, which is engage with culture as much as possible. Go to galleries, read books, watch television, go to the theatre, consume culture in all of its guises as much as possible. I also really rely on our brilliant team of development execs and commissioners to make sure that we as a team are constantly refreshing our knowledge of who's out there and going to as much theatre, music, art as possible. That's really, really important to us. Um, but I think it's just maintaining an interest in what is being created outside of our pool of UK film is what are what are people getting excited about in all mediums and pursuing that and seeking it out and understanding why it has resonated the way it has. Do you think that's something that has changed about development you know that we're less allergic or biased towards other forms of art as a source material or you know have we or you always looked elsewhere for potential? Yeah, and, and to go back to Future Takes, that was really important to me. Like I'd seen, I think at the, before we launched it, I think I'd seen um, the black boys who have considered suicide when the hue gets too heavy at the Royal Court. And to me, that was somebody who was so clearly a filmmaker in the way that that show had been directed. It was so precise, so beautifully choreographed. The performances were exquisite. It felt very cinematic as a play, as well as being so entertaining, so moving. It was all the things that I was looking for in a film, yet this person hadn't directed for film. And so seeing people making amazing creative work outside of film and trying to find a way to distill that was a, a huge impetus for Future Takes as well as like creating a space for those sorts of voices to be able to make their first their first screen work um, was something that was hugely appealing to me. Do you feel like your development instincts have changed or sharpened in the years that you've been doing the job? 
Yes, I would hope so. I would hope that I've uh, got a be- got gotten better at what I'm doing. I definitely think that I'm more curious than ever in a good way. Like I, I really feel excited about discovering new talent. I'm more excited than ever. And I think that, and I'm hoping that is something that will just continue to stay with me. Is there something that frustrates you the most about the film industry right now? I really do think that it is hard for people to evolve and, and for so often people are held to their previous work when actually they as a person and as a filmmaker will most likely have evolved beyond that piece of work which was made however many years ago and I think that is one of the biggest things that we all have to fight against somehow and and myself included is not holding people to that last piece of work remaining curious about them especially if they've got something really urgent that they are desperate to tell and have a way of telling it, creating a space where that person will still be listened to, even if their previous they may have made mistakes in their previous piece of work. As long as there's learnings and you feel confident learnings have been made and that there's still ta- that, that you're confident by the talent that is still in display despite it not being perfect, I, I think that would be something I wish we could all do more of. Because so often people make amazing pieces of work when their previous film might not have been a hit, whilst the rest of us are running after the person whose last piece of work was a hit. I think there could be more space for people to grow beyond what they've done previously and, and to be given the chance to prove that they have. Is there a project that you're especially proud to have worked on? I mean, it's really difficult to say. I'm I'm so... I, I feel very privileged to have worked on a lot of the films that uh, I've worked on. And every everything that I've worked on, I've, I've really enjoyed the experience and got so much out of it. You know, most recently, it was an enormous pleasure to work on How to Have Sex by Molly Manning-Walker seeing that film connect the way it did in Cannes with a female audience was very very powerful and that was all down to Molly and that's that's Molly's work as a filmmaker and her powerful story but knowing that there was a film that had been made that people could connect with in that way was was very very rewarding I a film that I loved working on was Scrapper by Charlotte Regan mainly just because I love her sensibility it's a it's a film that was supported by BBC film and the BFI and she has an amazing sensibility and way of seeing the world and everything she approaches has so many layers she's an incredible talent and um, I feel very lucky to have worked on that film too And is there a piece of advice that you've been given that maybe you return to regularly or that you feel has steered uh, the course of your career? Rather than piece of advice, I always recommend this and my team will laugh when they hear this because I mention this so often, but I really do recommend people who want to work in development read uh, Swim in the Pond in the Rain by George Saunders, which is an incredible and very generous piece of writing um, George Saunders takes you through seven 
six or seven Russian short stories and then goes into detail as to why they make great stories and there are so many learnings to be found and I think it's such a such an incredible tool uh, and something I return to often and I think it was a very very generous act by George Saunders to write that book. I couldn't agree more I absolutely love that book I return to it often you're right it's so it's so wise and generous and accessible and yeah George Saunders is uh yeah a bit of a personal hero of mine but finally I would love to know if there is a film by a woman director that you would like to recommend today. I recommend people seek out Scrapper obviously which is going to be coming out after its Sundance London premiere and I also recommend people seek out Pretty Red Dress by Dion Edwards, which has two gorgeous performances from Alexandra Burke and Nancy Jones, and is incredibly directed by Dion Edwards. And I, I really hope that film gets seen as widely as possible. So do seek that one out. Fahana, thank you so much for coming on Best Girl Grip today. It has been a pleasure to talk with you and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Isabel. listening to this episode of best girl grip if you liked what you heard please do rate review and subscribe spread the good word etc if you're interested in other conversations like this look for my episodes with katie sinclair dion farrell and rose garnett in the meantime have a great week and i'll be back next friday with a brand new episode